0: Did you enjoy the kids? Anybody want to come up on stage and sing with them? Anybody? I saw some of you going. Open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We'll start chapter 11. And Father, we just thank you for the authority of your word, that your word is true. And your word changes us. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now teach us today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. As you're open to Revelation 11, hold your Bible up. Did you everybody bring your Bible? Okay. Excellent. We've got some. If you need some, need one. This is not a normal, warm, fuzzy, let's have some hot chocolate message and open a present message. This is dealing with a passage I've never seen as a Christmas passage, but it's the ultimate nativity passage. And I think it'll be, mean a lot to you. And so with your Bibles open, we're talking about the Christmas war. Would you say it with me, please? The Christmas war. Now, uh, take notes today. We're going to cover a lot of material I want to give you some background before we get to the main text. In Revelation chapter 11, starting at verse 15, the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign, somebody help me out, he will reign forever and ever, someone say amen. Okay, help the preacher out today, okay? He will reign forever and ever. Amen. Now what we just read is kind of the crux of the most one of the most wonderful musical compositions ever made, Handel's Messiah. Has anybody ever sung in a choir that did this? Let's see your hand. Man, I did that in college, and man was that a moving moving work the the highlight of the messiah is the verse that we just read say it with me please the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he will reign for ever and ever amen now if this is true That Jesus is reigning. There's a logical question. People need to ask. Okay Steve. If this is true. What we just read. Then you got to help me out. If evil has been defeated. Then why is evil still. Wrecking so much havoc around the globe that's that's a legitimate question the old problem of evil question chapter 12 answers it now next year we're going to start and we're going to go through chapter by chapter through the book of revelation i think it'll be encouraging it'll be fun We'll all learn a great deal. But I just want to prompt you a little bit. What does the word revelation mean? The word revelation means to pull the curtain back. Some Some of you have been to a gender reveal party. You're pulling the curtain back. And chapter 12 helps explain the past, explain the present, and prepares us for what is to come in the future. Now when you have the term revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the word open, everyone say open, is used a lot. Well, how many times? 25 times in the book. 22, 25 times in 22 chapters. When one of the principles of Bible study is this. When you see a word repeated it's very important and john wrote i looked and i saw a door standing open in heaven okay now what's behind the door now one of the questions when we read this passage i think it's a better question is, instead of asking why did this happen the better question is what's next what did what did the lord show john so we would be able to know what is coming next. So, go to chapter 12. Actually, chapter 11, verse 19. Do you see it? <clears throat> verse 19. The temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened. There is a temple there. And the ark of the covenant appeared in the temple. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hail storm. So the first thing John sees, and this is a very poor replica, none of us really know what he saw, but he saw a physical, literal temple in the heavenlies. Then he saw something else. He saw the Ark of the Covenant. Now, some of you guys have seen the old movie, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some people, that's all they know about it. Well, uh, there's a lot more to it than just that movie. The Ark was a a rectangular box. It was about five feet by roughly 30 inches, about four feet tall. There were golden rings, and there were special poles that it was carried on. It was to never be touched. And every single ingredient in the ark symbolized a characteristic of the Lord Jesus. The ark is the presence of God. And it is the most sacred thing to the Jews. Because it's at the ark, whether it was in the tabernacle, which was a movable tent, or in the permanent temple that was built there in Jerusalem. It is the place where holy God met humanity. He would come between the two angels, the cherubim, mighty warriors that had their uh, wings facing each other, bowing in reverence, and the seat, the top cover of the ark was called the mercy seat. And it's where God would come and speak to Moses. Very, very important thing. Next, we see a change in chapter 12, verse 1. We see a sign. Everyone say sign. Chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. So here's the first sign. The first sign is a woman. She's clothed in the brilliance and the glory of the sun. And chapter 12, just to help you navigate is the center of the whole book of Revelation. It is the hinge where everything turns. And today, in this Christmas message, we're looking at the hinge where history turns. Now, let me define the word sign, because I don't want to preach on stuff and not give definition. A sign points to something that is beyond itself to a greater reality if you were driving down a country road in mississippi or wisconsin and you saw this sign said if i were you i would turn around you know what i would do i would stop my truck and i would turn around because it's pointing to some kind of reality what does this sign mean Have you ever been on a curvy road for 56 miles? You know what that sign says to me? I'm getting out of the car. I'm not doing that. I don't want to keep a little bag right beside my foot. That's what that sign means to me. What does this sign mean? Can you imagine driving your convertible Volkswagen? Volkswagen? and Bessie just dropped into your lap or Flossie or I had all kind of cows growing up that would be an utter catastrophe <laughs> now, hey come on give me a break I'm trying to milk this <laughs> for all it's worth okay now now this is on a third grade level I can't we can't do any dumber than we're already doing okay so what, what does this sign mean right here? Can you, can you figure that out? There are creatures that will rip your face off. There are creatures that will uh, make you walk funny for a long time. This sign says, do not approach wildlife. Now, if you, if you do not believe in paying attention to signs... And you decide you want to pet the kitty or hold the baby cubby. Or if you want to pet the nice cow and rub his nose. Uh, This may be the reality of that sign if you ignore it. In Yellowstone, this happens every year. People decide to pet things. People decide to take selfies with grizzly bears and do all kind of crazy stuff, and they end up in trees, sometimes against their will. Because the sign is very, very, very clear. Uh, A sign is something you should not miss. Is that true? I've missed a ton of signs. If you've missed a sign before, any kind... Hold your hand up. Let me see your little guilty, dumb hand. You've missed signs. I've missed tons of signs. I've probably missed more signs than I've recognized. And I've always suffered because i missed signs. Now, three years ago, I'm on a missions board in Colorado Springs. I go out every year to serve on that board. And usually I take my sweetheart with me and we vacate for uh, a week. And we had never been to Yellowstone. Do you like Yellowstone. So I said, honey, let's go to Yellowstone. So I found out it was pretty pricey to find a place to stay in Yellowstone. It is absolutely gorgeous. I love the West. It's almost 3,500 square miles. Do you know that's bigger than than Nicholasville? (laughs) It is. It's almost bigger. And Yellowstone Park is bigger than Rhode Island and Delaware put together. It's a big place, wonderful place, can be a dangerous place. If you miss the signs, they have about 10,000 of these thermal little thingies. And every time you see them, they're beautiful. Some of them will erupt in front of you and make you run like a scared child. Some of them have signs saying, do not put your feet, do not get near or it will eat up your arm if you put your hand in the beautiful little colored waters. And yet people still do that. So we had planned this vacation, and I'm the planner in our family. And so we had been driving five, six hours. We entered in the south. And does anybody know what this is on the screen? When I saw it, I went, oh, no. No. And my wife said, what are you saying? Oh, no. I go, oh, no. I said, what's oh, no about? Honey, this is Gardner, Montana. We just drove through the entire park. And now we're exiting the park. (laughs) That's what oh, no means. And I'm from Kentucky, and I'm completely lost. I'm just a preacher. I don't know what I'm doing. Notice that a map of the park... There's two kind of circles. One says Lake Village. So we came in from the south. We went all the way and see where it says Norris. I said, honey, when you see the sign that says Norris, when you see the sign that says Lake Village, we got to turn right because we paid a king's ransom to stay at Lake Village. And that's where we're spending the night tonight. You got it? Yeah, I can it. So we looked at the flowers and the wildlife and stuff and drove right past the sun. Another five hours later, we're in Montana. And when I see that, I go, we're just in trouble. We are just in trouble. Right. It's okay, baby. Honey, we're in trouble. We'll sleep with a grizzly bear or something tonight. So there's this ranger station, and I pull up and go, sir, can you help me? Uh, what's your problem? Are you lost? Yeah. Where do you want to go? Lake Village. He said, Well, you're an idiot, aren't you? I go, Yeah. Uh, and he goes, Did you miss the sign? Yes, of course I missed the sign. So I said, What do I do now? Well, there's no rooms available, so you have to turn right around and go back down the road. I go, Five hours? Or you can go the other way and go all the way around. It is 545. The sun is setting. So for that four-hour drive in the dark, she'll say, she said, well, it's lovely. I go, honey, we can't see anything. (laughs) It's a narrow road. There's a steep embankment with a cliff, and there's no guardrails. And our cell phones don't work. And we haven't seen a car in two hours. The rangers won't even come get us. And there's these thousand pound almost horse lookalikes out here walking around in the dark. And we don't want to hit one. And I sure don't want to hit one of these 2,000 pound car killers. Because they fall on top of your car. And kill everybody in your car. Do you understand what's going on? So what we did we we drove and drove and drove and drove in the dark. We did the two day Yellowstone tour in one day. And half of it was in the dark. So don't miss signs. Now here's the first sign. What's the first sign? Tell me, what's the first sign? A woman and under her feet is the moon. She has a crown, and a crown has 12 stars. Somebody asked me at the first service, do you take Revelation literal? I said, when it says it's literal, I take it literal. When it tells me there's a sign, I look behind the signs to see the greater reality. The question is, who is the woman? Who is the woman? I believe the woman... The answer is three. All three options, I believe, are true. She is the nation of Israel, the chosen people. Where do you get that from? I get that from Genesis 37, where the 17-year-old nerd, Joseph, who is so full of himself, and he tells his older brothers 11, Hey, guess what? I had another dream last night. It was awesome. Hey, we almost killed you the last time. Well, this one's better. You'll love it. Let me tell you. Hey, I saw in my dream the sun, which I think is dad, And then I saw the moon, which is mom. Then there were 11 stars, and that's you boys, my big brothers. Then the most glorious star was guess who? (laughs) Me. (laughs) And then the sun and the moon and all you boys bowed down to me. What do you think? you like it? Reuben is saying, we will sell this kid to Egypt or kill him immediately. (laughs) It was a prophetic picture of the nation of Israel. The second option, the second person is Mary, the mother of Jesus. When you read the text, it's obvious who the woman is. Mary, the mother of Jesus. But the third option, many people don't see it, it's the body of Christ, the church, it's you. You're in, this, you're in this passage. Where do you get that from? I get that from verse 6, verse 14, verse 17. talks about the other offspring of the woman who is fleeing and nourished by God. For three and a half years, which is the last part of the tribulation, 1260 days. Now, another sign appeared. Everyone say another sign? Verse number three. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, everyone say behold, was a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, on his head were seven diadems. And with his tail, he swept away a third of the stars of heaven, Threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth he might kill and devour the child. Second sign is a great red dragon. Now in this in that verse we just read the word behold is used some of your versions may say look i had never counted them before in the book of revelation the word behold is used 26 times which means it's very important the word behold means stop what you're doing look be alert pay attention because this will impact your life this is important The red dragon, the color, is the color of blood, which to me speaks of the coming violence he will inflict on the world and the body of Christ. Seven. In Scripture, numbers have meaning. In Scripture, the number seven is the number of completeness. In scripture, head equates authority. Someone asks, who's the head of this company? Who's the head of this team? Who's the head of this household? It means authority, responsibility. So to me, the scripture is telling us that this being will be given complete authority by God. For a short time. What about the horns, Steve? In the Old Testament, horns are a symbol of strength. Take a look at this rascal. And the dragon has 10 horns. Later on we see they are ten leaders from ten countries that joined the Confederacy Confederation. Now I think there's clues in this scripture. This ruler will be fabulously wealthy. What do you base it on? Well, Diadem is a symbol of wealth. And he has seven of them. I want you to pay attention. You don't have to agree with my premise, but I want you always wrestle with the scripture. I want you to remember this point. The fabulous wealth of this empire. Let me give you a kind of uh, something to think about. On the right is a graph of the national debt that we have as a nation. Republicans and Democrats, in my estimation, have really hurt us badly. You cannot operate a church at a deficit You cannot operate a bank at a deficit. You cannot operate a restaurant or a family or a sports team at a deficit. Yet, our country has been doing it for years. When Ronald Reagan left office in 89, 30 years ago, the national debt was a little bit under a trillion dollars. There's something called the National Debt Clock. If you go on the website and look at it, it has moment by moment how much our debt is costing us. It is creepy. In 10 months, our national debt level will be at $30 trillion. For every person that pays taxes, that means you and I owe about $900,000 dollars in this national debt so people for decades have been making decisions it's not their money they don't care they are mortgaging your children's future we'll pay for this we'll pay for that we'll pay for this we'll take care of you hey i understand but let me let me give you another view on this this is a $100 bill, which is the greatest denomination that that is in, in flow right now. This is a stack of $100 bills. A, a stack of $100 bills is $10,000. A hundred of them, it's about a half inch thick. Turn to your neighbor and see if... They've, your neighbors got one in their Bible. Just look, their Bible may stick out a little bit. This is the next little pile. It's a million bucks. It's 100 packets of $10,000. You could put that in a grocery bag, Kroger bag, and walk around. Nobody would know. You had a million dollars in your plastic bag. This is 100 million. It's a lot bigger. And you see, it would take putting it on a pallet, using a forklift. This is a billion dollars. Are you ready? That's a billion dollars right there. Now, when it comes to a trillion, I just want to share what that looks like. People have no idea. No idea. Well, this is an idea. Can you see the little man in the left corner? The same little man standing. It is a thousand billion. It is a million million. It is a one with twelve zeros. Now, what's what's your point, Steve? Well, every household uh, is owing two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to pay off that debt. We'll never pay it off. Never pay it off. I think we've been set up. And I think Revelation 12 speaks to it. My point is this. When this guy comes to power and he's fabulously wealthy, it means, my guess, our nation is off the scene. Our nation is no longer influential or prosperous. Now... Point E, in the original rebellion before earth was created, the dragon, let me go back, he convinced what we just read, these are the words of Christ, one-third of the angelic majesties to rebel with him. Notice the wording. I think the wording is accurate. He says, with his tail. If you've ever been to Africa, Asia, If you've ever seen a Nile crocodile, man, some of those guys are 20 feet long, they weigh over a ton, their tail may be 8 to 10 to 12 12 feet long, and the front end of that character is dangerous, but the back end of that character is just as dangerous, and it's suggesting to me, by his tail, means his power and his influence over these other angels, All these, when they fell, became demons, and they were banished to earth. That's what the scripture says. Earth is their prison. This is where they are confined to be. Now, a lot of Christians don't like talking about this. I don't like talking about it. And they don't even believe in the existence of this, but Jesus talked about it. Jesus dealt with him. Jesus said, I've given you the body of Christ's power over unclean spirits, which is what messes up our kids, our nation, churches. Here's another little point. When someone turns their back on Jesus and they walk away, They're not just going to live a neutral life. When a person walks away from God, they get twisted and corrupted. I've met former great servants of the Lord that got hurt, got wounded. For whatever reason, they turned their back on God, and they became evil. Point number F. Verse number nine, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Let me give you his name. Who is the red dragon? The scripture tells us he's the serpent of old. Why would he be called the serpent of old? Because that is the form he chose to seduce the first two people, real people. In a real place. His second title in that verse is The Devil, which is the devil means in Greek the accuser. Everyone say accuser. What does it mean to be the accuser? He wins by division, he divides husbands and wives, he divides churches, he divides people in the office. He divides siblings who will no longer talk with each other. He is the accuser and the divider. And he will divide you from biblical faith if you let him. Then he's also Satan called the adversary. Everyone say adversary. What does it mean, adversary? An adversary is somebody that comes to your house. He's got a clipboard. He asks, are you so-and-so? Yes. Is this your address? Yes. Uh, so and so, so and so. Well, I want you to know I'm telling you up front, I'm committed to hurt you. I'm gonna hurt your marriage, I'm gonna hurt your kids. I'm gonna do all in my power to hurt you because God loves you. That is an adversary, and when you have an adversary, you better take him seriously. And then the most challenging is he's the deceiver of the whole world. Now these are the words of Christ, and let me just put some thought into this. Have you been deceived? Hold your hand if you up you've been I've been deceived. I've been deceived so many times. I've been lied to and didn't know it was a lie. I thought I was new. I thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought what I was resting on was truth. I was not resting on truth. I was resting on a lie. And he came from the pit of hell, and it smelled like smoke. He is the deceiver of the nations. Now, this week, as I was studying this, I believe the Holy Spirit is a teacher, and he gave me a nugget. If it doesn't help you, it really helped me. And I wrote this down as I was in prayer this week. And the thought is this. Every person on the planet is listening to one, one of two voices. Not three, not four. One of two. Either listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Or listening to the voice of an unclean spirit that whispers every day to your head things that are untrue. About you. About others, about God. And when you think about how he influences people, you, talk, you take powerful people, you take influential people. I used to love watching Anthony Bourdain because he was a rank pagan. I loved the places he traveled, but he was deceived. You think about founders of companies like Amazon or Facebook or commissioners of sports teams. I'm not saying they're bad people. No, I'm not saying they're bad people. But I'm just saying, if you don't believe in biblical values, if you're not listening to the voice of the Spirit of God, you are listening to dark spirits. And I want to say a warning. I know I'm not. You and I, neither of us, are any match for the one that deceives the nations of the world. If I don't listen to the Holy Spirit, if I'm not in prayer, if I'm not in fellowship, if I'm not reading the scriptures, I will be deceived. I will believe a lie. And I will end up in a place, I will end up, ruining my life and the things that will come to power come to place in the next seven eight ten twenty years come right out of revelation chapter 12 i think our country is being deceived how so well when when leaders feel like it's okay to take the lives of children in the womb i can't get i don't get that Have you never held a baby? It's it's deception. For a man to be able to go into a little girl's bathroom, I don't get that. That's, to me, deception. For elementary teachers to teach little ones that same-sex marriage is okay, I think that is deception and unholy. And hurtful. And it's it's the red dragon trying to destroy people. If you reject the truth, you will believe a lie. Now the third character in the story, the true story, is the male child. And we see that verse number five she gave birth to a son. A male child who is the ruler of all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up to God to the throne. And the woman fled to the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that she would be nourished for 1,260 days. What we celebrate on Christmas is the birth of the male child. Now this is important. Listen the woman is a sign. What do you mean? You will never meet a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, and with a crown with 12 stars. You will never meet that woman. She's a sign. Okay? You will never meet a red dragon with 10 heads, 7 crowns, and 10 horns. You'll never meet that red dragon. It is a sign. Here's the difference. Are you ready? The child of Christmas is not a sign. The child of Christmas is the ultimate reality. The Lord Jesus Christ is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And he is real, whether people know that or not. And one day everyone will meet him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now here's what John was told to write down by Jesus. That he has a rod. It is a rod of iron. Now a shepherd would have two things. He would have a staff to retrieve a sheep that was lost or in a thicket. Then he would have a club or a rod to fend off wolves and Lions and that sort of thing. This is a shepherd's rod. Which tells us that the Christ of Christmas is a shepherd. And that he is a protector. And that he is here for you. And he knows you. And he wants to keep you. And he wants to help you. And iron shows that this shepherd is extremely, extremely Strong and mighty. Someone say amen. 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 Now, we just read it. As soon as he was born, the red dragon attempted to kill the child. We see that in Matthew chapter 2 where this demon-possessed guy, Herod the Great, what a wicked man he was. And what we're reading started on Christmas Eve was when Herod sent his troops to that region to kill every male child two years old and below. And and I've read this 50 times. I've never seen this before. John said her child was called up. Everyone say, called up to the throne. I've looked at that and went, what is that? What does that mean? It's speaking of the ascension. Do you know what the ascension is? After his death, after the resurrection, after 40 days from Mount of Olives, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father to his own throne. This is so beautiful. This ought to make you dance and shout and say amen. And this is the most important thing I'll say to you. This is it. The war... In the invisible realm was won on earth. It was won in the land of Israel. It was one in Bethlehem and it was one in Jerusalem. The battle has been won through the death of the Christ, through the burial of the Christ, through the resurrection of our Savior. And through his ascension to the throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When our Savior stood before Pilate, the governor, a cruel and mean and aggressive man. And he said, why won't you say anything? Why won't you answer me? I hear you're a king. If you're a king, answer me. And with his face bloodied and his back ripped apart and his hands wrapped in thick rope, he said, that's one thing you have right, sir. I was born as a king, and for this reason, I come. Hallelujah. And this explains, this pastor loves history. I love all of it. But it explains every war on every continent, in every era, in the history of this earth. It is the war of Christmas. And John saw this mighty war, you read it for yourself, among these super beings in the heavenly realm. And the archangel Michael, who is the protector of Israel, the the people of God, the apple of God's eye, that's what Daniel chapter 12 says, he led the charge. By the way, Lucifer and God are not equal. Michael and Lucifer are equal. And he was defeated. It was not even a fair fight. And he was thrown down. Everyone say thrown down. It says it six times. Why? Six times. So you'll understand he has been knocked out. You don't have to be afraid of him. He was bounced. He was dethroned. Boom! He was booted. He was banished. And his time is coming for the rest of his sentence. Now, let me make it clear. you ready? Because why is there so much evil right now? Because even though the red dragon has been defeated, he has not surrendered yet. Therefore, the war continues, and it will get more fierce up until the day of Christ's return. Now, since the dragon could not kill the child, worship team, would you guys come on out, please? Since the dragon could not kill the child, what does he do? He goes after the dearest thing to the child. He goes after the woman. I love this artwork. He goes after the child. The scripture says he goes after the woman's offspring. Who are the, women, the woman's offspring? The precious, wonderful Jewish people. of the population of this globe, they are the most harassed, persecuted group the earth has ever seen because the red dragon is enraged at the one, the ones that gave us the Savior, the Scripture, the church, and opened heaven. And the exact wording is the ones who keep the commandments and the ones who hold the testimony of Jesus. The scripture says the dragon was enraged. Why? Look at verse 12. He knows his time is short. Now as you and I sit here today, you guys watch online, we have a lot of freedom in this country still. I want you to know there's probably a thousand Pastors in China in jail for the gospel, sleeping on a slab of concrete with not even a blanket in the coldest of weather like Canada. The body of Christ is persecuted in North Korea. It's illegal to find Jesus and convert in Nepal. Places like Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, being a Christian, being baptized publicly, going to church in the Sudan can get you killed. In Nigeria, can get you burned alive because you're a believer. This year, probably more Christians have died this year than in the history of the earth. Because the dragon knows his time is short. And he wants to stop you. He wants to stop the church. He wants to eliminate the Jews before they have a chance. And they will come to Christ. They will come to Christ. Romans promises it. And let me give you perspective. What we read, and we only got through half of it, in Revelation 12 tells us the real reason we had so much unrest in our country last year. Revelation 12 tells us why the racial divide is so deep right now. So much anger, so much mistrust because he is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation chapter 12 talks about... we. We had a contentious election, and we thought, well, boy, this will never happen again. I want to tell you, it's probably going to get worse because the dragon wants to divide us. And this deal, we've dealt with COVID for a year and a half. Man, I had it. My wife was in the hospital. I've gotten vaccinated because I need to travel in missions, and I know I'm not getting on a plane unless I have the card. But it's crazy, not only the people that have been sick, thousands of pastors in India have died because of this. I think it's demonic, and it comes from the pit of hell, even though Jesus can use it. I think we're being set up, not by flesh and blood. By the Red Dragon, we're getting acclimated. When you can't travel, you can't go to church, you can't work. It's probably coming. Sometimes, well, it is coming. Now, here's the good news. I got two forms of good news. The suffering in the world right now is not a sign that Satan is winning. It's actually the opposite it's a sign that he realizes his time is just about over. And he's got to do all the evil, all the death, all the sickness, all the murder, all the division he can in the short run he's got. But John tells us in verse 12, for this reason we ought to rejoice, knowing his time is short. And we're going to get through this. And here's another bit of hope I want to give you. You say, Steve, is it going to get brighter or darker? I think it's probably going to get darker. The good news is, the darker it gets, the brighter the glory of Jesus will grow. And millions of people will come to know Jesus like never before. And that's part of God's plan to use you. So I don't want you to despair this Christmas. I want you to say, I'm part of the winning team. And Jesus has got a call on my life. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep connecting people. I'm going to keep studying the scriptures. I'm going to lead people to Jesus. I'm going to make a difference in the next generation. So the devil doesn't get them we're going to see an awakening a revival and the biggest harvest ever so devil you do whatever you want to do Now I want to close this time in prayer actually I want to do it differently worship team you guys come on out please if you have felt a stirring inside I don't think it's because anything I said I think it's because of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit speaking to people. That you have a part to play. That you can't give up. You can't quit. You got to get back out there and play every single down. Because if you quit, you're going to take a lot of other people with you. So I'm going to open the altars now. If you've been touched and you want to tell Jesus again, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever I've got, I'm offering it to you. Use me, Lord, during these spectacularly difficult times to make a difference for people. So come to the altar. Come and recommit yourself to the Lord. Start your new year off different than ever before because you just say to him, I'm here, Lord.
1: Actually, going to be doing two songs here at the end, and um, this first one you may not know, um, but I felt the Lord prompt my spirit um, that we were just supposed to play it and to release this song over you all. Um, I feel like um, the story of Christmas is something that we've heard some of us since we were very young, and it just builds this familiarity in us when there's it's such a story of wonder and awe at who our king is and the mystery behind everything and so this is just a moment for us to just pause for us to come to the altar um, for us to ask the Lord to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can see him and know him more. And um, so let's just spend this time worshiping and adoring our King.
2: Finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my Lord.
0: this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Serve him well. Please pick up your children.
3: you online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.